Hello and welcome to Friday Night Fright Presents Comic Book Calvacadia 2020. Man, we're going to have some fun this month. Every episode in May, every day in May, there's going to be a brand new episode. It's going to be a mini review of a comic book movie. Yay, can't wait, hyped. So it's going to cover the gauntlet. It's going to be loads of MCU stuff. There's going to be some DC stuff probably. Uh, might be some off stuff. There's going to be Flash recaps of Flash Season 2 every Tuesday. Um, so it's going to be four or five of those, depending on how many Tuesdays are in May. But it's going to be tight, because they've all got a week off. Yay! Anyway, this is the intro comic for Cavcadia. So you hear this every day of the week, and then you'll hear an intro for the movie that I'm covering that day. Or TV show. Ooh, scary! Anyway, I'll be back after a brief word from our sponsor. Hello, it's your boy Ian Austin back with another episode of Comic Book Cavcadia 2020. And boy, got a treat for you guys today. Today, it's one of my favourite Marvel movies. I'm not even going to deny it. Guardians of Galaxy, directed by James Gunn, written by James Gunn 2014, starring Chris Pratt, Dave Batista, Bradley Cooper, Zoe Saldana, Vin Diesel, uh, I say Batista, uh, Josh Brolin, uh, Michael Rooker. And the pace, and there's other actors in there as well, but they're not quite the main characters. And this essentially is Marvel's attempt to bridge into the cosmic sci-fi aspect more than they even did with Thor. Thor was always very serious and borderline on fantastical. Guardians of Galaxy is not fantastical, it's straight up science fiction. I know lots of people say, no, no, science fiction has to say something about humanity and space and all of that crap. No, it has spaceships, it's science fiction. You know, Ford didn't quite have space. Sort of had spaceships, but they were become shitty spaceships. So it does count. Uh, so Guardians of Galaxy. So firstly, um, James Gunn is quite a name in the horror genre. Was prior to Guardians of Galaxy, but I was never really too much into his works. So I've always script for Dawn of the Dead remake is really good, and but mainly and he sort of passed me by, which is strange because I'm quite into horror movies. I think I watched his um. Was it Sliver, the one with um, Nathan Fillion and Emily Emily Banks? Elizabeth Banks. And that was okay, but no, I wasn't too much a fan of his before. But I really like his own Guardians movies and like his aesthetic. Anyway, I'm rambling too much. I need to leave some stuff discussing the actual movie. Will it be as good in follow-up? Uh, spoilers, yes, because I watched this like four weeks ago because it's one of my favourite Marvel movies and one of my favourite super movies and, be honest, one of my favourite movies. But we'll hold up to an incontinuity run-through. I'll check out for you guys that in just a second. Spoiler warning, yes, it holds up to an incontinuity thing because it doesn't really address much of the Marvel continuity. Guardians of Galaxy is a great movie. It's I genuinely really like it. It's something I can almost borderline quote at this point. And <clears throat> that's one of the reasons I like it, because you watch it and it makes you feel good. And at this time in with all this COVID bollocks and all of that, a movie that makes you feel good is great. Like why wouldn't you want to feel good? And also I like it because it's still even with all movies that have come out in sequels and them being in Avengers Infinity War and all that crap, you know. It still to this day feels like an anomaly in Marvel Universe because this is pretty much the best pseudo remake, reboot, revamp version, inspiration, or expert Big Trouble in Little China you can ever get. For those who don't know, Big Trouble in Little China is one in top five movies of the 80s, flat out. 
two, directed by John Carpenter and Stone Kurt Russell, and three, is a brilliant movie on many levels, the main one being it's an examination and deconstruction and parody of the American goes to uh, Middle Eastern country. In this case, the American goes to China or France and basically is a hero. A big trouble in Little China deconstructs that because won't be set in Little China in America and Chinatown in America even. And two, it with a very game, Kurt Russell has one most <clears throat> brilliantly inept action heroes of all time. Because Kurt Russell was in on joke. And he knew how to play it. Because he had played serious action heroes before. So he just played up the aspect of it in real incompetence. And in Guardians of Galaxy, it feels somewhat similar. Because Star-Lord Peter Quill is capable. But he's by far the least capable member of the Guardians of Galaxy. And as a result, it's absolutely hilarious. Because he's... Almost in a big, serious, weighty movie. I mean, in the villainous movie, Ronan is flout terrifying. And despite his over-the-top hamminess, it's one of the darkest, most sick, serious, incredible villains the MCU's had to face so far. And he's facing off against a guy who thinks that a dance-off save the universe is a good idea. It's brilliant. Ronan is funnier, played straight, than he would have been played as a joke. His humour comes from him not understanding that he's in, he's in wrong genre movie, but so is Star-Lord Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt is in, like, a Green Lantern goofy parody superhero movie. And it's like the two mesh, you know, you've got the comedic stuff, and there is some dramatic stuff that Chris Pratt, a.k.a. Peter Quay's Star-Lord, does a good job with. But primarily, he's a goofball character, at odds with the entire Marvel Universe and especially with what's going on because, you know, the bad guys in the movie try and get Power Stone, which is an Infinity Gem and has potential level planets. And you've got this guy over here making jokes about having por- a portion of a plan. You know, it's such a beautiful contrast and it works brilliantly because James Gunn, it's, in a lot of ways, it seems like he's imparting his sense of humour on Marvel Cinematic Universe, and Marvel Cinematic Universe is fighting back against it, but he's still putting more and more of himself in. And he does a wonderful job. I don't think it can be stressed enough. This was James Gunn's first big-budget movie, in terms of, like, meg-budget. Very much like Joss Whedon with the Avengers. Like, these two weren't guys you'd expect to be to make these movies or make them so personal, or make them so resonant. And it's a really good sign that Marvel's trusting more with writers and directors, which is nothing wrong with directors who direct based off other people's scripts. That's fine, that's wonderful. There's something beautiful about a writer-director making a movie. I mean, Joss Whedon with The Avengers, there's so many aspects of that movie which are distinctly Joss whedon and and this movie is so much here with clearly James Gunn. You know, his perspective, his sense of humour, his his dynamics, his his attitude. And yes, I should address the elephant in the room. There was another right wrong this before James Gunn, and I don't think you can unsay her contributions too. She clearly put a lot into this movie. She came up with a lot of the ideas that are there, and. Especially if something like Guardians of Galaxy is such a difficult movie to get right in terms of ideas and the team and the basic gist and story structure. So she deserves absolute props. Um, bear with me, I need to remember 
her name so I don't embarrass myself anymore, I think. Oh, come here, piece of shit. <laughs> Nick, Nicole Perryman, that's it, Nicole Perryman. And it's based on Dan, Ab- Dan Abnett and Andy Lang's thing. But yeah, Nicole Perryman, I can't, I can't say the name. Nicole P-, P, I have trouble saying certain words. Nicole P, I mean, you can't stress it enough, she deserves a lot of praise for this. Now, how much James Gunn changed from her script is, you know, up for debate. I mean, Stu credited as writer, but I'm sh- and I do think that James Gunn put a lot of his personal aspects into the movie which weren't in the script, but <clears throat> I think it's also fair to say that her contribution shouldn't be downplayed. Oh, and hopefully she'll get enough shot writing um, a Marvel movie at one of these points. It'd be nice. So anyway, back to the direction's so eccentric. It's James Gunn's got a really good sense of tone for this movie. That real John Carpenter sense of, I'm going to make something which can be funny and dramatic at the same time, but still feel tonally consistent with each other. And it's also really, 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 really funny. I don't know how much of that is improvisation, or how much of that was chemistry, or how much was written, but it seems to be a perfect storm of all of them. You got some fantastic lines. Even some of the extras, like the one light scene players, get some great lines. Like the guy who say, says, "That's my favorite knife." The guy says, "You want me to do what?" Some of the ravagers, like um, Cragging, Cragling, played by Sean Gunn, a bit more than one scene like thing. But you get some good stuff. And fundamentally, it seems to be a movie determined to give F one something interesting to do, even if they're only in the movie shortly. You know. They're not just there as plot contrivances. If everyone gets something to do, and then you hit the um, <laughs> the point of no return, Thanos. I that's the one. Not even criticism, because this point I've come to accept it, and as part of why the story Thanos works, connecting the Avengers to Guardians of Galaxies, showing Gamora and Nebula his children, showing how feared he is by Nova Corps. There's a lot of good way of building here, but at the same time, it's um. <laughs> One fancy's design is is a bit shit. I mean, they got they fit that later on, but they clearly didn't know exactly what they wanted. They knew that they needed Thanos in this movie because the Gamora and Nebula aspects and set stuff up. Um, but at the same time, his design, like I said, is a bit shit, and his delivery is so ludicrously over the top. And it gets even better when you get meet him going down line, and his characterizations change completely. Like you know. But I do love how, like, he seemingly this like, James Gunn's changed it slightly, so Thanos is still a threat, but he seemingly only exists for Ronan put him down with that amazing speech about how, you know, he has the power, and then he's sort of like, and then Thanos, I'm coming for you, and then Thanos disappears. I love that, but mainly I like Ronan's the villain. That's the thing I actually enjoyed most about this movie. Uh, me and my brothers, we're, we're big fans of, Lee Pace in general is a really good actor because he knows how to like ham it up but do a really intense performance at the same time and his fucking delivery I mean his his basic gist of his character is I, I need I need to I need to muscle up I need to gain I need gains like the power stones give him the ultimate juice and then he talks back to Thanos and Thanos sat in his chair with his little chicken legs and he's oh, I'll kill you and Ronan Sola and then I'll come for you, Thanos. I mean it's the delivery. And then that Lucas bit it's the tinder on which you burn. 
Ronan, he's so he's there's something so wonderfully crap about him. I think that's a nice part about the movie. It feels slightly shit, but in a really endearing way. Um, yeah. So I think performances are top down great. I think it's really well written, really well acted, way directed, good story. So again, Nicole P. You know, very least she came up with this story, so she says props. Uh, lovely roles for people like Michael Rooker um, and Glenn Close. You know, Glenn Close could have had a bit more. She's too good an actress to just do very little. But at the same time, it's cool that she is in the movie and probably got paid a fair bit of money to do it. And it's nice that Marvel's a bit more trusting and I somewhat hands-off. I mean, the Thanos stuff, yes, you know, it's a bit shoehorned in, but we're still entertaining. And uh, fundamentally, there's lots of cool stuff to be to in the future. So, yeah, I, five out of five. Yeah, yeah. I think any movie you watch, as much as I rewatch Guardians of Galaxy, it still entertains you. Like, even if I tune out, I look up and I see something, I start laughing. That's the sign of a great movie to me. And this is a really, really good movie. So, five out of five. I think so far, The Avengers and Iron Man both got. Uh, the Avengers and Guardians both 5 out of 5 so it's team movies which seem to be working for me more than anything is so it'll be interesting to see whether The Avengers Age of Ultron gets the equivalent mark tomorrow because that's tomorrow's movie May the 11th so I'll be back tomorrow with The Avengers Age of Ultron and until then remember life is beautiful